On September 25th, 2015, I preached my first sermon here at St. George's, which was rooted in the text of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My call between that moment and this one, that is, between my first sermon at St. George's and now my last sermon, my call has been to exhort all of us to look first and foremost to God for help. The Israelites had their competing options of where they could look, and we have ours as well. And the challenge for many of us, I think, is that this God seems so often to operate as a principle in our lives and not as a person, even if we don't explicitly believe this, and even if it becomes merely a functional reality for our day-to-day lives. And so I have time and time again tried to call us to embrace the God or to be embraced by the God, rather, who is not a principle but who is known as person, three persons, in fact. And today, we see these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on dynamic display as they draw us into relationship as adopted children of God. Adoption. Yes, this is one of the most important keys to understanding the relational nature of God and our salvation. Paul reminds us that before we turn to God, the maker of heaven and earth, God has turned to us as father and has brought us into a family apart from anything that we've done. And so in a real sense, we are like infants. I want to unpack this notion of adoption with you a bit today, but in a way that departs from my normal mode of preaching. I always try to point people to Jesus and to do so from Scripture, and I'll hopefully, God willing, do that today. But also, I want to first reflect on my time here as a priest among you and the riches of what God has given all of us in this incredible parish. In these last four and a half years at St. George's, I've come to know the relational nature of God who adopts us in a new light. For you have been his hands and feet, embracing us, adopting my family. And for this, we are so, so grateful. You adopted us into the St. George's kindergarten community from the easiest board meetings I've ever experienced, often followed with a pint, to the best teachers and staff and kindergartners a chaplain could ever ask for, you adopted us. From Lee, the best leader I've ever worked for and from whom I've learned immensely and to whom I owe an incredible debt. We were adopted into an oikos, a household, an extended family model of leadership that I will shamelessly steal in my new parish. Shelby Ruling, a parent at our church, sent me an email telling me about a conversation she had with her daughter, Lottie, who goes to our kindergarten, describing to her how I was leaving, I was becoming a rector, to which Lottie replied, oh, is it because he's turning six? which is hilarious, as if I were graduating from our preschool. Lottie, I'm not turning six, but I am graduating, sort of, and I've had a great model and mentor 
from whom to learn and lead. And to the best staff and the best clergy colleagues a young priest could ever ask for, I've had the privilege of straddling two different teams, both of whom have inspired me to be a better priest daily. You all adopted me as a colleague and, more importantly, a friend. And finally, to you all, the parishioners of St. George's, from Sunday worship to small groups to dinners and blessings in your homes and your restaurants, from our little roses in Honduras to your help with the mission of the Nashville Fellows programs, and in so many other ways, you adopted us. So if you happen to be looking for a church, I know of a great one in Louisville, we'd love to have you. Just kidding. And of course, you will recall that we did some adopting while we were here, too. Teresa and I adopted our own son, James, and you did as well. We did this, actually, as an extended family. This is how all adoptions should work, made possible by a generous outpouring of the church being the church. We couldn't have done this without you. I raise this because... I think that it is so easy for us to just glide over the idea of adoption in Scripture because for most of us, it is largely an abstract notion. I mean, few of us have experience with adoption as we tend to conceive of it. And yet, Paul reminds us that he, God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That is, all of us are adopted. All of us are heirs. But what does this look like, and how might we receive this truth? That is the question. Our imaginations, I think, need to be inflamed with the love that God has for us and how abundantly powerful this reality of adoption is in Scripture and in our own lives. It is not a truth that is a principle at work in us. It is a deeply personal truth rooted in the triune God who is at work in us, something I've only just begun to learn, especially with your help and with my own son. And so I hope that you'll tolerate me sharing some of what I'm learning by reading from a letter, uh, an extended excerpt that I wrote to my son in preparation for his own adoption. Dear James, tomorrow is July 2nd, 2019, the day your mother and I will travel to the Sumner County Courthouse to adopt you once and for all into our family. We cannot be more thrilled or excited to welcome you into our family with legal finality, even though you have been our son since the day we met you, and from before all time in the heart and mind of God. We met you on Monday, July 8th of 2018, which means tomorrow will make exactly 359 days since we set eyes upon you at Centennial Hospital in Nashville. You were so small then, but we were smitten with you on that first day. I remember holding you in the NICU hospital room and your name just came to me like a divine gift or manna from heaven, James Benedict. This past year has been the most rewarding year of my life. I have changed a lot of your diapers. I have been peed and pooped on. I have even been vomited upon in an airplane and had to sit in it for two straight hours while you slept so as not to wake you. But I would do all of this again and much, much more simply for the chance to have you in my life, even if only for a day. 
I cannot wait to take you on many adventures from going camping and backpacking to playing basketball. We're going to have so much fun together. I also know that there will be many hard moments in your life and our life together as a family. I will always be here for you no matter the circumstances that is until my dying day or yours. You must know that I will strive to be a father who shows you grace, but I will fail. As soon as you are able, read the parable of the prodigal son and look to the father in this story. Like him, I will always welcome you home full stop. But if and when I fail, please be patient with me. For as Immanuel Kant once said, out of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing was ever made. The only fail-proof source in your life will be the straight timber of the cross of Christ. So when I fail, I will be there kneeling in repentance at the feet of Jesus, and perhaps in my own sin and brokenness, I will at least then model the grace of God as someone who is on the receiving end. I hope you come to learn the greatest gift we can give one another is not our togetherness, but our brokenness, for in it we see the grace of God more clearly. On the day of your baptism, I shared the following with you, which I simply want to reinforce in this letter, for I have no other message to give, really. This love of Christ shown ultimately in the cross is the most important reality you will come to know, for it is the center of every beating heart, every breath, every quirk and quasar, every atom and galaxy. It is the grounding, the cornerstone, the axis mundi, the hinge upon which all of life swings. In shorthand, we call this the gospel, the good news. And it is the best news you will ever hear and the best gift I can share with you, my precious son. You see, your more important adoption has already happened in baptism. But I pray that you will come to know that our legal adoption of you which is not by nature, but is by grace, is merely a participation in and reflection of the extravagant and inexhaustible love that God has for you and for all of his creation. In time, you will read this, and perhaps someday you will understand these ramblings of your father, but know that the bottom line is that I love you more than I knew I could love You have ripped open my heart like a fresh wound that needed to be exposed to the air of a joyous child, and I find that God is using you to bring healing in my life. He is also using you as a crucible for my sanctification, but this speaks more to my weakness than anything else. Just know, I love you. I love you. I love you. I have to admit that I hesitated to share this letter with you. Because I want you to know that this is only a shadow cast by the abundant light of God's adoptive love for us. Just a spark of the all-consuming fire of God's love. God has written a letter to us too. And more. To us here at St. George's, God the Father says, I love you. God the Son says, I love you. God of the Holy Spirit says, I love you. With a love that is so much more abundant and perfect, God says, I love you. Do you hear it? If we have eyes to see, we might imagine all of Scripture, not as the story of a law court where God stands as an aloof and a detached judge, but as the story of a family court that finds us justified in Christ, our new brother, 
as we are given a new father and a new spirit in our hearts, and yes, even a new mother, Mary, the new Eve. Eve. This is why the Anglican theologian J.I. Packer states, our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. So by way of landing the plane, let me just offer an invitation and a challenge to you. God doesn't just love us in the big moments, but in the darkest ones too. He loves us as well in the small and the routine and the dull and the seemingly insignificant moments. So my adopted son, James, he loves books. Cicero, Dante, Faulkner, just kidding. (laughs) Right now he has more of a taste for the monster at the end of this book or Mr. Brown can moo, can you? And so most morning I sit in my chairs for a devotional time, a moment, amidst his toys playing their incessant songs, often playing discordant tunes. And it's hard to enter into, in those moments, receiving the love of my heavenly adoptive father. But often, as well in those moments, James will bring me a book to read to him for the first or the hundredth time. And what I've come to realize is that reading the book to him is not about the book, but it is about so much more. It is about relationship. It is about personality, not principle. This is simply one way that my adoptive love for him takes on substance. And this is one way his reception of my adoptive love occurs. And so it is with us, which brings me to the invitation. In opening, I mentioned my first sermon here, drawing from Psalm 121, that all of us will ask at one point or another, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? My parting invitation and challenge is to exhort you to turn to his book, the scriptures, that which God has written to us, albeit through humans, which is not about the book, but about relationship. Look to the book. Scripture is an invitation to relationship, and it will nourish your relationships with one another as you continue to adopt others into this family, even as you have been adopted. You will know this truth and relationship with one another, with him and his word given to us, his love letter, and in his body and blood shed for us. You know him, and you will continue to know him, your adoptive father, who bleeds for you in his son, and who enlightens you through the spirit. These last four and a half years have been the best time of our lives for me and Teresa. You have adopted us, and we have adopted a son. In these moments, whatever goodness and joy has passed, whenever laughs and tears have been shared, all of this has been merely an imperfect fragment of and a participation in the hope of God, the riches of his glorious inheritance and the immeasurable greatness of his power. And so for this reason, I will adopt Paul's prayer as my own for you because I too have come to know of your love toward all the saints. I will not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Amen.